You know, the resurrection is what, uh, what saves us, what gives us new life in Jesus. Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is not dead, he is alive. And we are alive in him when our faith is in Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for going to the cross. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for defeating death and giving us victory in you. Today we worship you. Today we praise your holy name. Oh, God, we love you. We give this time to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for all of you online joining us. Welcome. And I get my tablet here going. Let's see if it goes. We've got a few announcements to do uh, before we get started. The first one I want to let you know about is our uh, prayer night that we're starting up. This is brand new, or well, not completely brand new. We've done prayer nights before, but we are starting this back up every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. to 6.45. We are going to have prayer right here in this room. This starts on Wednesday, September 6th. When does it start? September 6th. There we go. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're going to have time of worship. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to have a devotional. So this is something that you're going to want to be a part of. We're actually going to have child care as well for kind of those crawlers to toddlers age so that they can, uh, you can come if you, if you need some of that. You need some child care for your kid while you come to prayer time, then make sure you're here for our prayer nights. Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. starting when? There we go. All right. Next one. Uh, best weekend ever. ever. Uh, it's coming up. Hopefully you got one of these as you came in the door. This is an invite card for the best weekend ever. This is something we did last year. We're going to do it again. We want people to know that church is an amazing place to be. That, that they can have fun at church and that they can grow in their faith and in their walk. So we want you to invite someone to the best weekend ever. We're going to have a lot of fun that weekend. We're going to have like goats and peacocks and uh, uh, what else we got? We got food trucks and we got all kinds of fun things. I think we might even have a Pac-Man game to play in the middle. We'll probably have cornhole playing around. So we're just going to have a lot of fun at the week on the weekend. And we want you to invite someone, invite someone who does not go to church. Give them the, the, the person who thinks like church is a waste of time. Church isn't for me. Church is boring. Invite them. Say you are not going to believe what's going to happen on the best weekend ever. So make sure you do that. That is September 23rd and 24th. And right after that, we are kicking off Hope Week. Hope Week, we also did last year. This is a time where we just love on our community. So we're going to do five straight days of loving on our community from September 25th 
through the 29th. And I want to encourage all of you to be a part of as many of those days as possible. We're going to partner with other nonprofits throughout the community, Food for Hope, um, Urban Farm. There's a couple others on there. And so what I want you to do is we're going to have a QR code here for you. You can sign up to participate in Hope Week. Every night there's something different going on, and I want to encourage you, be a part of Hope Week. This is how we show that we are followers of Christ. Jesus said, they will know you by your love. So we're going to love on our community. We're going to love one another. Make sure you are a part of our Hope Week. That's all of our announcements. I'm going to pray for us and jump into this message. I am so excited for this message. God has been working in my heart. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, thank you for thank you for this day. Thank you for this word. God, we just rest in you. We ask you to to come and fill this room. God, you've already been here through our worship, and I just pray you continue to to be here. God, would you move in our hearts? If you're here today and you need to hear a word from the Lord, would you just say, Lord, speak to me. I give you permission to speak into my heart, into my life. God, have your way in this time. We worship you, and Jesus, we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So my name is Jeremy. I'm our infrastructure pastor here. Our lead pastor, Pastor Reuben, and his wife, Grace, are off in Chicago. They took Hannah up to go to college, so they are dropping her off. So I want to encourage you to pray for them. This is a transition for them. This is their second kid going into college, but it's it's never an easy transition. So pray for them. Pray for their travels back as well. Keep them safe uh, and and pray for them there. like I said, my name's Jeremy, or as Pastor Nick also introduced me to someone this week, he said, this is Pastor Jeremy, and he doesn't always have a black eye. <laughs> so, in case you didn't notice, I, I've, I've told our camera folks, I said, I said, camera one or camera two, let's stay away from camera three over here. Uh, no, you know, this, this right here, I think it's hilarious how the Lord works. Uh, the Lord uh, gave me this illustration early this week, uh, just for you. Um, but have you ever tried to save some money by building something yourself? You know, you're like, I don't need to spend money. I could do that. I'm pretty hand. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of handy. I'll say that. Uh, my eye is evidence of that. But uh, last year, uh, while I was out in the woods, I found this deadhead, a skull and antlers of this elk. It's a six by six elk, and it's really neat. It was fun to find it, and uh, so I brought it home, and I decided, hey, we're going to hang this in our bedroom. It'll be really cool right above our bed, and so I started looking. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to need something to mount this on there. I can't just screw it under the wall, and so I start looking around, and, and the mounts that I'm finding are like $50 plus, and I'm like, I really don't want to spend $50 for this, and I've got some wood in the garage, and I think I can figure this out, so it was with some pretty, pretty wood. I had some beetle kill pine. It looks really pretty. It's got some blue in it, and I'm like, okay, I can do this, so I, I make this mount, and I made actually a couple iterations. We tried it, and it kind of, okay, that's not working, and had to you know, kind of go through that a couple times. And, and finally, I thought I got it. I had it screwed onto the wall, into a stud. I set the, the skull on there, and it's holding, and everything looks good. I give it a little pressure. You know, it doesn't fall, and we kind of let it sit there through the night, and everything's good. And uh, so we've got this, this, this cool skull above, above our bed, and for 10 months, it worked just great. And then Monday morning, at 2 in the morning, it decided to fall. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever been punched awake, but it's not fun. It is not fun at all. I do not recommend it. 
this thing, thankfully it didn't tip. It just fell straight down. So it was the side of the antler that hit my, hit my face there. But I, I woke up so fast and I almost cussed. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I almost lost my sanctification right there. I, there was a son of a, that happened and I'm grabbing that, that, those antlers and thankfully it didn't hit my wife. Uh, she was fine and she's just fantastic and it didn't hit her at all, but it decided to hit me in the face. And, um, and I, I actually chipped my tooth a little bit too. I, I clenched up so much, I just, uh, so that was not fun. Um, and this story has kind of consumed my life for the last week, because everybody who sees me uh, goes, hey, what happened, you know? And they like to make the joke of, you know, Patty had to teach me a lesson or something like that, and no, nothing like that. In fact, I thought it was funny tonight. Uh, there were a couple people, uh, so one person as they came in, they're like, you okay? You know, kind of gave me the like, are you sure you're okay? Everything's, everything's fine at home, you know? <laughs> Yes, I'm okay. Uh, the antler fell. Um, but this is this has kind of consumed me as, as people ask me about this. And what I found most interesting about this is that most people recognize right off the bat that hanging a 14-pound skull above your bed is probably not the best thing to do, especially if you're making your own mount, right? Like for me, I didn't like that. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I think this is fantastic. But everybody else kind of recognized like, hey, there might be a problem in the future for you. And it's possible for us to bring things into our homes that bring danger, that, that remove safety in our homes, right? And that's what I kind of noticed by this. And so, so that's one of the prayers I said at two in the morning after this thing. I said, thank you, Lord, for bringing this illustration to me for the weekend is that we can bring things that are unsafe into our home. It's possible to be blinded to the long-term challenges or issues that we may have in our home if we allow this stuff in our home. If we allow things that are not safe, that are not God-honoring, that are not pleasing to God, we can run into issues. It's totally possible. Now, today's title is Making Your Home a Sanctuary. So we're going to be talking about our home and what we do in our home and how we act in our home and how we behave in our home. And we're going to look at what God has to say about the condition of our homes. Not the physical condition, not the upkeep, but our attitudes, our spirit, our, our hearts, our lives in our homes. And I feel that the Lord has given me a word for you today. And that word is, it's time to choose. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, it's time to choose. It's time to choose. Turn to the person behind you, tell them, it's time to choose. It's time to choose. That's the word for today. It is time to choose, to make that choice. And we're going to be looking in Joshua. We've been in the book of Joshua this entire series. And we're going to be all the way at the end, the last chapter in Joshua, chapter 24. And we're going to be looking at uh, this. The, the Israelites have, have come into the promised land. Joshua has led them through many uh, battles and, and defeating the enemies and taking this land. And Joshua now at the end of this, they've been given their inheritances. He's kind of scoped it all out for them saying, hey, you're, this tribe's going to go here. This tribe's going to go here. And he calls them all together. And he starts telling them and reminding them where they came from. We're going to pick up in Joshua 24, verse 1. It says, then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. 
I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea, but they cried to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Joshua lays out this history for the people all the way back to Abraham to remind them that, that, that this people, the Israelites, were called from, from way beyond the Euphrates where they worshipped false gods, the one true God called them to be his people. And he's reminding them time and time again how he went before them and he wanted to make them his people and that he, he gave them success and that he gave them the things that they needed and that, that he cared for them in the wilderness and that, that he went before them in all the battles that they had to go. He was there with them. He's reminding them, this is who your God is. And now... They've received God's promise. They're living in the place that, that they didn't build. They've got all of these cities. They've got all of these vineyards. They've got all kinds of great things that they didn't have to do. And God just allows them to go in and take over this land. And, and I, I was, as I was thinking about this, I was like, I feel like that a lot. You know, I, don't, I didn't invent indoor plumbing, but I'm sure glad that someone did before me. Right? I, get to en I get to enjoy indoor plumbing because of those who went before me. I get to enjoy roads and all kinds of infrastructure and technology that we have. And, and there's this idea that like, it, it could be very easy to become prideful, to think that like, I've built everything in my house and, and for my life and for my family. But the reality is that God goes before me. God has gone before me for years and years and years to allow me to live in this place in his grace Amen. and in his creation. And Joshua continues on. Here's our, our key verses for today. Verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua tells them it's time to choose. Turn the person next to you, it's time to choose. Tell them it's time to choose. 
Joshua brings them to this place and he, he says, look, all of this stuff has happened. God has gone before you and here we go. And now it's time to choose. What are you going to do? Are you going to serve the gods from this land, from the Amorites who are still around you? Are you going to fall into those, those worldly customs? Or are you going to choose to follow the God who delivered you here? Are you going to choose to make your house, your home, a sanctuary? Joshua says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's his choice. But it's time for us to choose. We're talking about making our home a sanctuary. The definition of sanctuary is this. It's very simple. A place of refuge or safety. A place of refuge or safety. The, the origin of this word actually comes from, from the Latin, and it's, it's the word sanctus. It actually means holy. The word sanctuary means a holy place. It's a place where, where God resides. It's a place that requires uh, humbleness and, and reverence. And we talk about making our home a sanctuary, this place where God can reside, where God can be at the center of our home, where our home can be this place of holiness. But it's also a place of refuge. It's a place where we find safety. And Wikipedia says it like this, a sanctuary in its original meaning was a sacred place, such as a shrine, but the use of such places as a haven by extension, the term has come to be used for any place of safety, right? We have sanctu bird sanctuaries and political sanctuaries and all kinds of places where like you can step away and the idea is that you're safe in that place. It makes me kind of think of a castle as a sanctuary. This castle, it's protected, it's got defenses. There's this moat around it, right? And, 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 and one of the things that we like to think is that we're the king or the queen of our castle, right? In our, in our castle, we are the one in charge. We are the one who gets to make the rules. We are the one who gets to set the tone and determine the atmosphere. The castle is our sanctuary. It's the place that we go when we need to fall back because there's attacks. It's the place that we store all of our resources and our, and our food. It's, it's the place of safety. It's a holy place where we can meet with God. It's our castle. Now, I was blessed to have a really great home. It wasn't perfect, but it was really great. I, I grew up and, and there, was, there was peace in our home. There, there weren't a lot of arguments or anything like that. There was, uh, you know, I felt safe other than when my older brother was chasing me around, which is pretty normal for most people, right? <laughs> but, and, and I had this home where, like, I wanted to be there. I recognized it as a sanctuary, as a safe place. If there was something outside that I got scared about, I could run inside and I would be safe. If there, was, if there was someone outside that was scary to me, that maybe was threatening to me, I could run inside and, and close the door and lock the door and, and bring up the drawbridge, and I was safe. I was in a sanctuary. It was a, a safe place for me. It was a good place for me. I loved it. And I recognize that not everybody has that. Not everybody has grown up with a home where they say, yeah, I want to be there. There's lots of people who have, and maybe you're in this camp where, where home was, was, was just full of arguing and fighting and negativity. Maybe for you, home was not a place where there was food. Maybe there wasn't enough. Maybe for you, home was a place where there was no attention given or there was no love given, that there was always criticism. 
There was the word that you can always do better. What's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Like for some people, I get it. Their home was not a sanctuary. For some people, the, the home was, was, was a place they wanted to be away from all the time. It was, it was full of brokenness in their relationships. Perhaps it was because of a divorce or a blended family and, 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 and step-parent step didn't like you or didn't, didn't like your, your brother or your sister or any of those kind of things. There's, there's this horrible, I recognize that this is how some of us have grown up. And when your home is not a sanctuary, you look for any reason to not be there. You're anxious about being there. You're okay with being gone for, from, from that place for a long time. Like you can, you can be, go to camp or you can go visit someone else. You can stay at a friend's house and you can be gone for a while. You, you oftentimes don't have respect for the other people who live there. You don't feel loved or cared for. When your home is not a sanctuary, it, it feels more like a dungeon of the castle than the castle that's the refuge. But when your home is a sanctuary, you're happy to be there. It's a place of peace and of refuge. It's, it's a place where you go to regroup and to recharge. It's, it's a place where, where you, you, you anchor all of your travels. It's kind of like when you open up that Google Maps and, and you look for, a, loca- you know, you look for a, a, a place that you need to go. You want to get directions and it says, where are you coming from? And it's like right here from home. And, or, or how do I get back home? Like that's the quickest thing that you always reference. Like how far am I from home? When your home is a sanctuary, your, your point of reference for the map is home. There's peace and there's love. And one thing I've learned is that having a peaceful and, and loving home, a sanctuary, a refuge, it, it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by accident. It takes intentionality. It takes work. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in your home. So hear this. It is a choice to make your home a sanctuary. It's time to choose. It's a choice to make your home a sanctuary. It doesn't happen by accident. You don't just have peace in your home by accident. You have to work at it. You have to build the atmosphere and and build trust in your family and in your home. Everyone, I think, desires peace in their home. I don't think there's really anyone who's like, yeah, I want a lot of chaos in my home. I love that. I love a lot of arguing and people not caring about each other. No, nobody's, nobody's saying that. But in our relationships in home, we have to work on it. It doesn't just happen. Ephesians 6 says it like this. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. For all you parents, remember your children too, okay? We all have parents. So children, obey your parents. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. All the parents said amen, amen, right? Verse 4, fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. We have peace in our home when we start with our relationships. I start with our relationships with our children, uh, children with their parents, with our spouses. We, we, we have an attitude of grace and forgiveness. We have an attitude that cares for people, that has love for each other. We tend to be most hurtful to those who are closest to us. Have you ever noticed that? When we're at home, it's like the easiest place. In fact, that's the thing you need to be aware of. The home is the easiest place to let your sinful nature reign. 
When we're at home, when we're close to the people, our family, you know, the ones that can't leave or can't not choose us, then, then we tend to let our guard down and we can be the most rude with them because we just take them for granted. We can be the most angry with them. We can be the most deceiving with them. We can be the most uh, hurtful to them. In our home, it's the easiest place because we tend to see our home as a safe place. So we let our guard down and we're not paying attention and we think we can just treat anyone like we want to. We can allow selfishness into our heart. We can allow pride into our heart. But what we're to do is fight that. What we're to do is to move against that. Proverbs 30, 33 says it like this, for, a churn, for as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. Are you the person who likes to stir up anger and strife in your home? You like to be the one? We know who you are. We know who you are. You always have something else to say, or you have to have the last word. You have to be the one who's right. Like, that's not how we build peace in the home. We build peace through love and through caring. Pursue peace in your home. It doesn't mean just placating. That's not what I'm saying. It's not like being a yes man or a yes woman or just whatever you want. That's not what I'm talking about. Peace means we work through issues. Peace means we, we talk about it. We don't just ignore it. We don't just stomp off. We don't just remain angry. We don't build up resentment. We don't build up bitterness. See, none of us have it all together. None of us do. And so when we recognize that in our home, then we can invite peace into that place. We can invite peace because Jesus is, is the one who gives us peace. Colossians 3.15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. If you want to have peace in your home, look to Jesus. Let the peace of Jesus rest in your heart. If you want to have peace in your home, it must be a place where God is first. It must be a place of love. It must be a place of forgiveness and repentance. When you do something wrong, say you're sorry. It goes a long way. Don't just assume everybody knows that, that something bad happened and we're just going to walk and we're not going to deal with it. If you want to have peace in your home, it must be a place of trust. It must be a place of compassion and prayer and gratitude. Have a thankful heart in your home for the things that you have, for the, for the people who are providing in your home. If you want to have a place, or, uh, your home be a place of peace, then let it be a place of mercy. Let it be a place of patience and gentleness. When something doesn't look right, you know someone did it, you know the brother did it, then give Give, give patience and mercy and say, you know what? I can help around the house. I can have peace here. I don't have to argue about this. The place of peace in our home is a place where Jesus resides. The next thing I think about our home, we have peace, but it's also this place of ref refuge. We talk about it being a sanctuary. And I think about this, you know, and like, why do you need refuge? You don't need a castle. We don't, we don't live in a place where we're, we're constantly fighting off knights and various things coming to attack us, right? We don't have that happening. But we do have a pretty crazy world out there. We do need a place where we can feel safe from the attacks of the enemy. 
There's a lot of evil out in our world. First Peter says it like this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need a place of refuge. We need a place where we can be safe. Don't fool yourself. We have an enemy, the devil, who is looking to pull you away from God. And he will use anything he can to keep you as far as he can from Jesus. Hear this. The devil will attack your home. It's an easy target. It's an easy target. This is one of those times that I, I want to be transparent with you. I want to be just real. Um, probably the worst attacks that the enemy has had in my life have been on my home and been on my family. And I, I don't know, I guess I was just naive <laughs> for a long time thinking like, like, oh, that's below the belt and that, no one will go there. But no, that's the truth. The enemy finds it very easy to attack your home and your family because if he can attack you there, then he can, he can, he can, he can push you off your, off your balance anywhere. Because our home is where our heart is. If you are working to have peace in your home and let it be a sanctuary and a place where you, you want to be and you're trying to build up your family and there is, there is strife and there is pain and there is all those things that are happening, all of these, these random things that feel like random, but, but why do they just keep coming one after another after another after another and, and it's, it's physical pain and it's mental pain and there's hurt and there's, there's darkness? If he can get in there, And he just got you off balance in everything. It's an easy target for the enemy. We've had so many attacks on our home. So many. And it's taken a lot of prayer by me and my wife, Patty, and, and intentionality to recognize those. And now I feel like, I feel like I'm kind of like, a, a, not a pro at it, uh, <laughs> but I recognize it. And it's almost kind of like, the devil doesn't have any new tricks. He's just coming again. This is just from him. And so I know where my faith is. I know where my trust is. And so we pray to the Lord and we give it to him because it's God who has to fight our battles. It's God who has to fight our battles. And so Patty and I, we have, what we have found is that through prayer and being united in, 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 in God and in Christ together, that we can lead our house, lead our home as a place of refuge and a place of peace, and a place of love. Even, even when it feels like I'm unloved. Even, even when someone tells you they don't love you anymore, you can have a place of love in your home. And you can keep a posture of open arms, and you can have a posture of forgiveness, and you can have a posture of mercy, even when that other person doesn't want it. Even when they tell you that it's ridiculous, even when they don't want to be there, you can have this place of love. I love how Billy Graham says it. He says, nothing can bring a real sense of security into the home except true love. You want, you want your family members to want to be at home? Then love them. Care for them. That doesn't mean you approve of everything. It doesn't mean that you approve of things that are not right, that are not godly, that are not good for their, for their well-being. 
but it means I am here for you. It means I will care for you. It means I will carry you through this if you need me to. It means I am not giving up on you. Amen. It is love. It is love. We fight the attacks of the enemy with love and truth. You got to have both. You can have love, but if you don't have truth, then we end up just loving everything. And that's not right. <laughs> Second Timothy says it like this. Uh, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. We build our home into a sanctuary by choosing to speak truth, biblical truth. Truth is not relative. Truth is not just what's true for you. And when you have a home that, 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 that does that, that, in love, says, no, this is truth. I want you to hear that this is truth. I'm not going to let you believe lies. Then you have a home of security and of safety. Your home should be the place where truth is spoken. Our homes are inundated with worldly ideas. We must be on guard to speak truth as quickly as possible. As quickly as possible. I've done this with my son. We'll be watching a movie and some line will come across that's like, hey, trust in yourself alone. That's all you need. And I'll look at him and be like, is that true? And he's like, no, we trust in God. And I say, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we talk about it. But we, we, we identify what, the things that are coming into our, I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to like completely like separate yourself from the world. That you, you can't do that. It doesn't mean you can't watch any shows or you can't do any of these things. But it's recognizing, it's calling out the falseness when you see it. It's living a life of truth in your home. We have to lead our home with courage and we have to face the world, uh, face a world that wants to insist that truth is relative. We have to call out sin. We have to call out what's wrong. We have to speak the realities of our God. There is a God. And he loves you. And he created all of existence. Heaven and hell are real. Sex should be confined to one man and one woman in the confines of marriage. We speak these truths in our home. There are only two genders. God made them male and female. God values life from conception all the way to the end when he takes it. We speak these truths in our home. We have to have a home that is full of love and truth. And when we speak truth and we're consistent about it, then our kids, our family members, those who are living in our home, recognize that this is a place of safety. It's a place of security. Because I'm not getting every other answer that's out there in the world and what's true for you is true for you and everything's good and we're just going to be tolerant of everything. Like, no, there is a right and there is a wrong. And we teach our family that. We can't neglect the responsibilities of our home. There's a really good example of doing that <laughs> in 1 Samuel 3, 11. It says, then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm going to do a thing in Israel and both ears of everyone who hears about it will ring. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything that I have spoken in regard to his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am going to judge his house forever for the wrongdoing that he knew because his sons were bringing a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. 
Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the wrongdoing of Eli's house shall never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Don't turn a blind eye to what is happening in your home. See, Eli was the high priest serving God, ministering to God, and his sons were priests, and they were doing all kinds of horrible things in the house of the Lord and in Eli's house. And Eli didn't do anything about it. He didn't speak truth and love in his home. He just turned a blind eye. And so God said, like, that's not going to be okay. I'm going to bring judgment upon your home because you did not rebuke your children, because you did not rebuke your sons. Hear this. You are responsible for the sanctity of your home. You are responsible for the sanctity of your home. Don't turn a blind eye to things that are happening. It's okay to say, that is wrong and it will not happen here. It's okay to to give consequences if there's bad behavior. It's okay to say, in our house, we will serve the Lord. It's time to choose. You hear that? It's time to choose. That's what we're talking about. The way you make your home a sanctuary is by choosing and saying, I will serve the Lord. Our home will serve the Lord. There are rules here that cannot be broken. It's my way or the highway. It's not really that. It's God's way or the highway, right? We say, we follow God here, and so that's what we're going to do. It's time to choose. Check out what Joshua says in verse 15 again. It says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, say this together, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In our home, right above our front door, we have a little like cross and it's got this on there. As for me and my home, me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We make it very clear about what we care about in our home. Choose today to make God the center of your home. It's time to choose. And here's the thing I want you to know. That choice starts with Jesus. That choice starts with the person Jesus Christ, the one who who came to this planet, who lived for you, who who lived the sinless life for you and died on a cross for your sins and defeated death and resurrected to give you new life. It starts with Jesus. Hear, Hear what Jesus did. In Acts 16, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. 
The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. You got to hear this. Jesus will radically transform your home. Jesus will radically transform your home. If you want your home to be a sanctuary, then it starts with following Jesus, the Son of God, the one who paid for every single one of your sins. See, that's what you have to recognize, that our sins separate us from the Father, the lies that you've told, the the sex out of marriage that you've had, the the lust, the pride, the, the critical heart. Those things separate you from the Father. But Jesus came and lived the perfect life and died on the cross. He took the punishment that you and that I deserve so that we can have a life with God. And he can come into our homes. He can come into our hearts and transform us. He can come into our homes and transform them. They do not have to stay the same. It's not a matter of follow Jesus and just hope the rest of your life goes okay. It's a matter of following Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to move in you and change your life, to change your home. That is the good news. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you. Christ died for me to transform our lives, to draw us closer to him, to give us the life that is abundant, to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can hear him. We can be close to him. We can have an intimate relationship with our Father in heaven. That's love. That's the love that we show in our home. It's the love that says, I'll give up everything for you. It's the love that says, I'm here for you, whatever you need. That's love. Check out what Joshua tells them at the end of this uh, chapter. He says, now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. See, before this, Joshua says, make this decision, choose. It's time to choose, he tells them. And they said, yes, we'll follow the Lord. And Joshua actually tells them like, no, you won't. (laughs) You can't do this. And they said like, no, 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 no. We will follow the Lord. We choose to follow him. And so he tells them, all right then, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 24, and the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. See, here's the reality. What happens in the home permeates throughout the rest of your life. It is not possible to be truly transformed by Jesus Christ and remain in a home of sin. It's possible to pretend that, it's possible to come to church and put on a good face and, and say everything's okay and everything's good, but, but going home and, and hiding behind that garage door, if the Lord is not Lord of your home, then he's not really Lord of your life. So what can you do today? I like to make messages practical. I like us to have something to do. It's time to choose. It's time to choose. Go home today and take an inventory of your home.
Are there things that you need to get rid of? Are there things that should not be in your home? Maybe there are things that you're addicted to. Maybe there are things that lead you down a path of lust or of pride or of arrogance. Maybe there's an attitude at home that needs to change. Maybe there's a relationship that needs to be reconciled. Maybe it's time to say, will you forgive me? Maybe it's time to say, I forgive you. Whatever it is, give your home to the Lord. Whatever it is, give your home to the Lord. If you want to make your home a sanctuary, you have to just give it all to him. Not a little bit, not just the front room, but the bedrooms too, and the closets. Every part, give it to the Lord. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for giving us new life. Maybe you're here today and you recognize you need to start with Jesus. Your first step is to just give everything to him. Just give your life. You just say this prayer. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I don't want to live that life anymore. I don't want to be far from you. I don't want to play any games. I give you my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life and, and change me and transform me. Give me new life. Maybe you're here today and you recognize that your home is not a sanctuary. You recognize you haven't been responsible for your home, but you recognize there's no peace there or it's not a refuge. But you don't want that to be the case anymore. Just say, God, come into my home and transform it. Take the things, take the attitudes, take the, the spirits of negativity, take the, the, the heartache, and take it out of my home. I choose to, to, to center my home upon you, God. I give it all to you. God, thank you for moving here. Thank you for sustaining me through this message. Thank you for speaking to hearts. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.